Christ is the Lamb of God. Christ is the forgiveness. He is the priest. He is the king. And he is forever our hope. Are you in? Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be worshiping with you as we make much of Jesus Christ. So awesome to be able to have so many here in person and to be able to be joining online with us as well. And uh, may God get all the glory. Man, we are here for one reason, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. So whatever distractions went on throughout the week, whatever's been going on through the weekend, as we come in here, let's just take a deep breath, set it aside. May it be all about Jesus. Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen, man. May we celebrate him from the top to the bottom. May this church be about his name. So we're in a series called Greater. We're actually well over halfway through, kind of cranking through this series, making much of Jesus Christ. And uh, Greater, Jesus, my sacrifice. That's what we're talking about in this series. And we're walking through Hebrews chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10. And uh, we're looking at what it means for Jesus to be our sacrifice, what it means for him to have this plan, this replacement, this hope for us. And so as we dive into it, it's pretty important that we grasp the depth and the riches of what is being said here instead of just skidding past, right? And the catch is that the author of Hebrews is actually writing uh, to Jewish people. That's why it's called the book of Hebrews, right? They're Hebrew people. And so as he's writing to them, he's talking about their culture and he's talking about the things that they were living out, Old Testament style as they were living that right up to the time of Christ. And so he's like, let me help make this clear. And he begins to point to Old Testament truths and then showing how Jesus is the fulfillment. So for all those Jewish people who had committed to Jesus Christ, maybe we're even getting pressure from family, like you've made the wrong decision, you've got to step away. And, and he's like, hey, I want to make this clear. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is pointing forward to him. This is but a shadow. He is our hope. And so he walks through all these details in the Old Testament showing how Christ is actually who is being pointed to that it's right to have a faith in him. And so with all those Old Testament references, that means there's a lot of times when we're reading in Hebrews and we're gonna see things where maybe we're not as familiar with them. And so it's just important that we get a gist of that. Each week as we dive in, there's a little bit to go after. These last week and this week is all about the tabernacle. And so we just wanna make sure we understand it, that we have our arms around it a little bit. And as we looked last week, it was talking about the pieces that are within the tabernacle and some of the meaning of those pointing to Jesus Christ. But also now this week, we're looking at the priest and the role in the tabernacle of the priest and what that means and what that shows us and the hope that we can have in Christ now. So as we talk about the temple, remember, um, as we go through this, I'll be your trailer. I'm going to be a little bit of your information ahead of time, just so you know what's coming up. Get those little clips so you remember the names and the details, that kind of stuff, right? So right now we're talking about the tabernacle. So let's make sure we get a little bit of a, uh, an understanding of it. We'll go back through it, all right? So first, let's throw up this image of kind of the bird's eye view of the tabernacle. You saw this picture last week and we walked through it. So if you weren't with us last week, then these are going to be new to you. 
uh, all here in the intro, but we walked through these last week. So this is a bit of a picture of what the tabernacle was. The tents of the Jewish people would be all around behind it, so you can see those kind of brownish tents in the background way off there. But the outside of the fence line here would actually be that, like, uh, don't come in here unless you're ready to do business with God. Right? And so that fence line there kept out. On the bottom side, you see the reddish fabric. That was what was called the gate. That's where they entered in to the area where the sacrifice would be made. So every time that you had sin that needed to be dealt with, you would be bringing your lamb or your dove or whatever it would be, and you'd come in through the tent through that gate at the bottom. By the way, Jesus said, I am the gate. And this is what he's talking about. He's like, I am the entrance and the access to God himself, right? I am your hope and venturing into the glory of God Almighty, and he is the gate. And so the people would come in with their lamb or whatever, and they would step up to, you see that first thing there is the burning altar, and the fire would be steaming. You can imagine how much the heat would be coming off of it. It would give you such a palpable sense of your own sin, wouldn't it? Like you're walking in with the cost in your hand as you're bringing in the lamb. You're feeling the heat of the fire as you step up. The priest would step up with you and you would hand them the lamb. They would end up doing whatever they need to do to properly manage that and then get that as a burnt offering and giving some of the pieces of the lamb on that offering as well. So there was this huge moment of sacrifice for your sin to be covered. At that point, you would back back out through the red gate and come out, and the priests would continue doing some of their work. In fact, they would even step forward. You see the next thing after the altar is a wash basin where they would cleanse and be purified before then the priests would enter into the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is that tent then at the back. Just so we're super clear, the only people who could enter into the tabernacle were the priests. Again, everybody just say only priests. Super important you grasp that. In the Old Testament, in the law, only the priests could enter in, which means when Peter says, you are a royal priesthood, he is making a thunderous statement about privilege being given to those who are trusting in Jesus Christ. But only the priests could enter into that tabernacle at the back then, and there was some detail that then came there. So let's just jump to that. Again, we'll go to a couple of the images we saw last week. Let's go to the next image where we're entering into the tabernacle. And so we actually used this last week, just so you remember, this is almost exactly the same dimensions of the tabernacle, 14 and a half feet by 14 and a half feet, gold walls on either side, right? You can see it kind of splashed in all over the place. The only light in the room was the lamp stand on the side, which represents Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The only light in the room splashing off the gold and the, the curtain closed back down behind you. Can you imagine? If you were a priest and you just got done dealing with people's sin in whatever way with the sacrifices, and now it's time for you to step in, uh, maybe just to be praying on behalf of Israel, right? A couple times a day, they would go in to go to the altar of incense at the back and pray. Can you imagine what that, what that would feel like? As you're like, okay, here we go. Did I get everything covered? Lord, please forgive me for, right? I don't want to enter into the glory and the holiness of God uncovered. 
And like this was a big deal. And now they would step inside and they had the bread of provision on the one side. This was celebrating the God providing into the 12 tribes. So there's 12 loaves of bread and those would be eaten each week on Sabbath and prepped throughout the week. And then on the other side, the lampstand, which represents Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And then obviously at the back, the altar of incense for prayer that we have access through Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world, and he is our access, right? The priests would go in here daily, one guy at a time. He would have a job in here. There was morning prayer. There was evening prayer. There was the setting of the lampstands, all that kind of stuff. There was little jobs to do throughout the day, one person at a time in this area. And every day, priests would enter this first section, But this is a pretty sophisticated tent. It actually has two sections, right? And uh, so there's this, you see that curtain at the back and that curtain, by the way, this is in the tabernacle, what was built in the wilderness, so fairly small. But when this ended up being rebuilt as the temple in Jerusalem with brick walls and all the rest, and it was made extra high, man, that curtain was huge, super heavy. And the reality is that curtain in the temple is what tore from top to bottom. When Jesus Christ said, it is finished, when he was on the cross and he was breathing his last and he gave the sacrifice, it is finished, thunderous earthquake, that's the curtain that tore top to bottom. Access being given to the glory of God Almighty, all right? So you can imagine the access to that room being a big deal. And in fact, it's the high priest only that could go in there and that only once per year. So let's just go ahead and advance forward and step into the most holy place. So this is called the holy place. Now we're headed to the most holy place. This altar of incense, remember that scent is what was wafting up through and over the curtain and giving access in your prayer over to God Almighty. But once per year, the high priest could now come up to this curtain open and it would enter in And you would be able to be in this moment where the prayer of incense being not only from that altar, but put into a bowl and brought forward before this. And then you have the Ark of the Covenant, about four feet by two feet, not much bigger than exactly what it shows here. And if you can see the angels that are on top there in gold, the cherubim, God's glory coming down right between those two angels and beaming forth. Just so we're super clear, can you see how the high priest would enter in with the curtains opening up? So nobody else was allowed in. When he came into the holy place, everybody else had to make sure they didn't go in there. And then they let the curtains close. He's the only one in the holy place. And then he would come up and open the curtain here so that only the high priest was actually exposed to the very glory and presence of God Almighty. This is the model of the tabernacle. And you could say, man, it looks like a lot of ritual and a lot of... uh, requirement, and that is true. But it's also a lot of modeling and a lot of symbolism of the access that we have to our God. This is the privilege that we have. Access to the king, not for one person, the high priest, but for all of us because of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said. All right, so everybody turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter nine, starting in verse six. Hebrews nine, starting in verse six. And uh, we're gonna get going here. Point number one. It says, thank God that we no longer are kept from his very presence. Thank God that we are no longer kept from his very presence. In the Old Testament, all the people had to stand back from the temple, couldn't enter, only the priests, 
Only the priest could go to the first section. Only the high priest could actually go into the very glory and presence of God. And now we all have access. Praise God for that. And um, so here we go. Starting in verse 6, it says, These preparations having thus been made, what preparations? The ones we were just talking about. Getting the tabernacle set, getting the three items in it, right? The bread and the lampstand and the altar of incense, making sure those were managed on a daily basis, making sure the uh, Ark of the Covenant was set in the most holy place and that only the high priest could go in. Getting all those details set and making sure they were prepped on a regular basis. It says, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. And I say regularly. That means daily and multiple times per day. There was praying in front of the altar of incense in the morning at sunrise. There was praying in front of the altar of incense at sunset. There was the setting of the lampstand throughout the day. There was things to be done daily. A lot of modeling in this. Man, as we just hear, if every piece represents Christ, Christ says, I am the gate, the entrance into it all. I am the Lamb of God that goes on the altar itself. I will purify you and make you righteous like the water for the priest as he steps in. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am your very access. It is finished. And you get to step into the presence of the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope. Everybody say, it's Jesus. And this was all pointing forward to Jesus Christ and the hope we have in him. He's like, just so you know, it was all set and the priests were going in daily, regularly. May we model that in our lives today. And don't miss daily, regularly, celebrating the provision of God in your life. He is the bread of life and he is the great provider, that he is the light of the world guiding you taking time with your God before the altar of incense, multiple times per day, praying to your God. Spend time. That's the model here. Daily. The priest went in into the first section regularly. It says, but into the second section, only the high priest goes. And that once per year. He, but once per year. Only the high priest gets to go in to the holy, most holy place, or the holy of holies, if you call it literally. That's what it actually is called uh, in the Greek, the holy of holies. And he would enter in there once per year. That would be on uh, the date called Yom Kippur. That's the day of atonement. It happens in the September time frame. Once per year in the fall, they actually celebrate that they can have sin forgiven for all of the nation. And all of the nation takes 10 days where they actually say, Lord, this needs to be right. And whatever needs to be cleansed, they walk through with their God. And then at the end of the 10 days, the high priest steps in and he ends up covering over all of that other sin being talked about. And he actually speaks of it here. He says that he went in, not without taking blood. Notice the double negative, not without means he's taking blood in with him, right? And he's got the blood of a lamb with him and being able to cover over sin with that blood. Scripture's super clear that without blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. God is making it very clear that he wants forgiveness to be attached to blood because it will ultimately be pointing to Jesus Christ. His blood, our hope, him for me. Everybody just say him for me. That's the message him for me. And uh, 
says, yeah, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself first, because the high priest is human, which means bluntly, he's much of a moron as you and me, right? The high priest would make mistakes every day. The high priest had problems in his life. He had sin in his life. He had to get stuff covered too. And so the high priest was making sure that whenever he had known sin, he would get it covered. And then he would also make sure he was covering over all the rest of the unknown sin. He was getting himself clean. Like, man, Lord, I am representing the people. This has to be done first. And so he cleansed himself. Here's the beauty. We just got done with a series called Greater Jesus, My High Priest. And when Jesus enters into the glory and presence of the Father, he does not need to make sacrifice for himself. He alone is the only high priest ever who is 100% perfect. No sin, no error, never having to make a sacrifice for himself. But these high priests are human. And so the first thing they have to do is cover for themselves, making sure that their representation is clean. And then it says, and then for the unintentional sins of the people, and then for the unintentional sins of the people. And so now he represents the whole of Israel being able to bring blood in and sacrifice for them, making that available. So there's the sacrifice out at the altar, there's the cleansing, and then the coming in, there's the before the presence of God. When he steps into the holy place, there's actually throwing some of the blood on the altar, on the Ark of the Covenant there, to be able to make clear that this is the blood of the lamb covering the sins of the people. Notice what kind of sin it says it's covering. It says the unintentional sins. Like, here's the deal, man. You're not supposed to have sin racking up in your life and you just wait till the end of the year, Yom Kippur, and you go, ah, the priest will cover it. Like, everybody say, not that. Like, not that. Like, when you know you have sin in your life, you get it dealt with. You make sure you get things clean with your God. Lord, please forgive me. I'm just telling you in America, maybe even in the Christianese way of saying things about Jesus, we talk too easily about sin, all sin being covered, so eh, whatever. And we start throwing the word whatever on it, and we don't take sin seriously. It's a huge mistake. God takes sin seriously. It's an affront to his very glory and presence. He is asking us to regularly take sin for real. Get it right before you and your God. Lord, please forgive me. Man, handling that stuff with your God in the moment. But there's going to be things you didn't even know were wrong. I, I didn't even know that was a rule. Or I didn't even know that circumstance was like that. I thought it was more like this when I did what I did. I didn't even know that, like, that's really the word that's built in there. It actually is the word not knowing sin. Like, like you, were, you were clueless in some way, and it was a huge problem. That's what the high priest is stepping in to cover, okay? So it's not, you live your life all year long. Don't worry about it. I'll cover for you. I got everything. Not, everybody say, not that. It is, you're managing your sin throughout the year, you're coming before the priest, you're bringing what you need to bring, you're getting stuff clean. And the high priest at the end of the year is like, and Lord, I'm sure there's myriad we have missed. And I'm coming before you to say, please cover that. That's the hope that's being shown here, okay? Huge deal, by the way, a heavy deal for all of us to be able to say, So how am I doing daily at coming into the presence of my God? 
And how am I doing it making sure my sin is confessed? Lord, I know this was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm done with that. And getting that real is a huge deal. May we not be the ones who are, what 1 John 3 says, practicing sin. It's ongoing, no repentance. Man, be careful. 1 John 3 is pretty clear. And salvation does not include, I just keep on sinning and it doesn't matter. Like that is not a plan. In fact, salvation, super clear there, it says the love of God is not with you. If you're just like, whatever. Like that's not the plan. Lord, please forgive me. And getting stuff clean with your God. As regular as you can and knowing this, that the unintentional sin is covered by the great high priest who in this case now for us is Jesus Christ himself. And all of God's people said, and it's a sobering moment, but a huge moment as we see sin getting dealt with throughout the year and the high priest managing the unintentional at the end of the year. It says, by this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. He says, by this, the Holy Spirit indicates. In other words, as he's even recording right now in the inspiration in the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit is revealing out now the meaning of it. This is not necessarily something that was understood before. Like all those living in Old Testament time, all those living even at the time of Christ, seeing the tabernacle, the temple, they did not grasp all of its meaning and significance. Holy Spirit now revealing it out through the apostles and prophets as things were getting recorded. And the Holy Spirit indicates uh, that the way into the holy places, access to the glory of God, holy place and most holy place, standing in the presence of the glory of God, is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Now, you've got to remember that this is a letter written to a group of people at a specific purpose in time, right? It's really important that we grasp this. It's actually going to come up in the second point as well. But as he's writing this, he's like, hey, I, it's probably 15, 20 years after the time of Christ, after Christ died on the cross and rose again. So some 15 or 20 years after. But it's probably 15 or 20 years until the temple is actually destroyed. So as he's writing this, there's a temple standing there is daily access by priests going in and out. There is once a year the high priest going in. That stuff's still happening in Judaism. And yet Jesus Christ is the hope. And he's like, I'm telling you, while that stands, it's just a symbol that that old thing is done. That we have access through Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying. As long as it's standing, it's just pointing old covenant. And it was handling it this way. That's all that it's standing for. It is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing. He's like, just so you know, we're now seeing it come to a close and we're having access to God Almighty. It's a huge deal. Old Testament was all about the law and people would often change that into works. And uh, scripture doesn't say saved by works. You see saved by faith all over the Old Testament, trusting in God, but works comes up a lot. And it's a, it's a heavy load to put on. And uh, he's like, just so we're clear, Jesus Christ alone has lived the perfect life. Everybody say Jesus alone. He's our hope. You know, this past week, you heard Pierce mention snow. This past week, we got snow, man. And uh, like Tuesday, it was, wait, do you remember? Did you wake up Tuesday and you're like, I don't know. 
Like it was like 40 degrees out. It was beautiful weather. I was driving to work talking to my wife. It was like seven in the morning talking on the phone. And, and uh, she's like, what's it like out there? And I'm like, blue skies. It's perfect. There's no wind blowing. It's great. It's stunning. And so we waited till the afternoon to be able to make some calls about the office and some of the ministries going on. And by mid-afternoon, actually, things had started to show itself. You could see it starting to roll in on the radar maps. And so we ended up making a call. Okay, we're going to call off Wednesday. We'll see how it goes with Thursday. Of course, that ended up being called off for offices as well and ended up so packed in. And this time, it turns out the snow did come. And man, did it come. And it hit hard. I don't know about where you guys were at. We probably got somewhere around seven, eight inches right where we were at. And, and uh, as I stepped outside uh, on Wednesday morning, so it had snowed all Tuesday night and into Wednesday morning, I was, got a little bit of a lull. I'm like, I'm going to get some stuff done here and try to get ahead on it. So I fired up a snow thrower that I've got, which is nice to have a snow thrower in those kinds of moments, right? And I love when snow is like when it comes down when it's colder out because it's like a fine mist. It's such a cool snow in that moment. And so I was able to get out there and snow throw. And the thing about having a snow thrower is once you get it going and you're going down, you're just walking behind it and you're letting all of the motor do the work. And I'm just, if there was a half inch of snow, I'd have worked as hard. I'm just walking behind and it's just blowing it up in the air and the wind is taking it like probably two driveways down and upsetting that guy, but bless people. But it's taking it and I'm just snow throwing down and turning around and snow throw back up and walk through and got it done pretty fast actually, the five, six inches that was down at that time. And so I did all of our sidewalks and ended up doing the neighbor's lower driveway. He's out of town. So I did his lower piece just to make sure they'd be able to get into the driveway whenever they got home. And so got that stuff done and, and uh, went back in and then it, you know, kind of the rest of the day went. We ended up getting more snow and I went back out to do it again that night and a couple inches of snow and just kind of again walking behind it, not that big a deal, did the sidewalks. I know that's not necessarily what everybody's experience in here was with the snow this week, right? And, and a lot of people were like wrestling hard with the shovel and all the rest. I got done with the two driveways, the sidewalk and all that, and I noticed the neighbor across the street had started to shovel his well ahead of me getting out there. I was done with everything, and he probably had three lines done and, and was really struggling hard, and I'm like, I, I, I got to go help, right? So I go over with the snow thrower. I'm like, you want some help? And, and he said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. So I started plowing out the bottom, which by the way, the snow plow's coming through, probably left it a good three feet high. So you're like tipping it up, you're taking the top half and then the bottom half, right? Getting this stuff all plowed out and we got all of his bottom done while he did his sidewalk and everything was done. And as I'm going back in, I'm like, the difference between a shovel and a snow thrower is everything right? And I'm just telling you, external power applied so that I don't need to. This is exactly what this is talking about with Jesus Christ. Man, trying to live it according to the law with your own works. Here's your shovel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't get it done, man. And trying to go after it with a snow thrower, the external power poured on Jesus Christ, his power poured in, changing my soul, shaping my heart, outside force changing me so that it literally just wells up and spills out. Dude, that's an easy walk. May Christ get all the glory. So how are you doing at walking daily in your life? Are you coming into the presence and the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit, of God Almighty? Are you letting him rock your world daily? 
Are you wrestling with sin by grabbing a shovel and just trying to force it and make it happen, muscling it along the way and not getting very far at all? Or are you letting the Holy Spirit's glory pouring on you change you one little bit at a time? Man, God has a plan. And it's his amazing outside glory pouring into your soul and changing you. Are you ready to worship the king? How are you doing? Point number two. He says, thank God that we no longer interact via temporary and non-heart-changing means. Thank God that we no longer interact via temporary or non-heart-changing means. That's what we just got done saying. Thank God that he's got a plan that shapes and changes my soul. He says here, by this the Holy Spirit indicates the holy place is not yet open as long as the first section is still standing, right? Just kind of reviewing that piece. So as long as it's standing, it's just showing, hey, here's how the old covenant worked. And there's, this is the interaction and the distance is massive. And we don't get to approach God through the law. It says, which is symbolic for the present age which is symbolic. Just so you know that word symbolic there in the Greek, it's actually the word parable. You hearing it? Parable. And so when we think of a parable, right, it's a story that actually shows and illustrates. He's like, just so we're clear, there's an illustration taking place and being lived out right in front of you. It's a parable that's about this present age, literally the age which had begun. And it's talking about that time, right? The Old Testament time and the age going on in it and it's representing that. It's actually lived out right in front of them. Like I said, the temple is still running. They're seeing it going on. So they're watching the close of the Old Covenant and the entering in of the New Covenant. And he's like, I'm telling you, that thing is symbolic of what was. And it is pointing to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Come after him. Huge deal. It says, according to this arrangement, what arrangement? Well, the arrangement that only the priest could enter the temple, the arrangement that only the high priest once per year could enter the whole, most holy place. It says, um, according to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Let those words settle. Gifts and offerings that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. The point of the law is not to perfect your soul. It is not to shape and change you. It doesn't get it done. The point of the law is a measuring stick at best that shows we need it done. And so as they followed after the law, it was never changing their heart to make them less sinful. It was just giving them an understanding of their God and their, his holiness and how it is to stand before him. The law does not change us. Rules don't shape the heart. In fact, I just wrote the words down that we said a couple weeks back. The law manages our sin. Jesus removes our sin. The law manages our sin, but Jesus removes our sin. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We have life in him. He is doing an amazing work in us. May God get all the glory. He says, but deals only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body. He's like, look, the metaphor was I did some things with the physical so that you would know I'm going to be doing things with the spiritual. 
Like I'm letting you see some of the shadow of it, right? So remember the whole idea. Christ is this object having the light hit him and the light of God Almighty shining on Christ is casting a shadow into the Old Testament. And the Old Testament shadow is all the physical things being dealt with, but that's implying all the spiritual things that Christ is going to be doing in an amazing giving way. He's like, yeah, there's this dealing with those regulations, but he says, until the time of the Reformation in the ESV, until the time of the Reformation, and that word there, um, I'm just gonna say this, maybe a better word for it, until the time of the changing of that stuff, until the time where that stuff goes away and a new thing is entered in, until the time of the new covenant, okay? And so Reformation isn't a bad word, except that you and I may think of something in history that happened more in the 1500s, and that's not what he's talking about. Right? He's talking about something right at the time of Christ and a changing at the time of Christ. He's talking in that moment, there was something going on and now it's all new and fresh in Jesus Christ, hope in him. He says this reformation, this new order, this new covenant, this new way, it's through Jesus. Everybody say through Jesus. Can you imagine if you were Jewish? And you were living a life that was all according to the law. And daily you were access to God only in this very limited way and you brought sacrifice for your sin in various ways and all of those things were taking place according to the law that you know God gave. And all of a sudden somebody stands up and goes, yeah, Jesus fulfilled that, it's a new thing, that's all done, here we go. There had to be a moment where they were like, I, I can't, no, no, this is, but you can't do. This is a thunderous statement for somebody walking through and living the Old Testament to begin to live the new. For you and me, we have the privilege, we're living on the other side. We've seen the hope of Jesus Christ. We get the clarity and the simplicity. We know he's the Lamb of God. We get he died on the cross. We barely understand how the blood applies. The Jewish person understood the blood of application every single time he came to the throne room and the altar. Huge deal. We're looking backward with a little bit of understanding of Christ. They're looking forward through the shadows. That's why Hebrews is spending so much time on this topic. He's like, I'm telling you, Jesus is the fulfillment. He fulfills the law, he completes the law, and the law is pointing forward, and Jesus is the hope that we have. It's all in him. Man, Jesus Christ. Because of him, we have access. Everybody say access. We have access. So I just wrote these words down. The shadow, like the Old Testament, the shadow promised access. But Jesus provides that access. The shadow promised access. But Jesus provides that access. He is the reason, the hope, and the method we have access to the glory of God. The holy place and the most holy place. You can enter every single moment of every single day. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you get to step in to the gold room with the light splashing from the brightness and the greatness of Jesus Christ, where you celebrate his provision, you celebrate his guidance, and you step up to prayer with him at the altar of incense. You can have that. And I don't know about you, last week I said, hey, as you're going out, 
Make this week some time in prayer where you're closing your eyes and you're envisioning entering in to the gold presence of God, allowing his glory to stun you before you begin to pray. And it was a big change in my week this week as I took time throughout the week to just stop on that and camp your glory, your stunning perfection, your provision. God, you are awesome. Man, as we go out this week, may we be stunned that we have access to the Almighty King. May we be in awe that we can abide with him, that we can have relationship and connection. Don't get too fast with your prayer. When you start out in prayer all this week, when you're starting out, don't get too fast. Hang on. Take a quiet moment and be stunned with the presence of God right there with you. You are in the room of gold and glory, and it is all because of him. May Jesus Christ get all the praise. And all of God's people said, may we abide. May we access him regularly. He is our high priest, and he is our hope and our sacrifice. Jesus Christ, the complete fulfillment of all that is in the Old Testament. Let's pray. 